Hello and welcome to That Band Life. I'm Jeff Young, a teacher from Carmel, Indiana. And I'm Bobby Lambert, director of bands at Wando High School in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. That Band Life, a podcast about making our careers as music educators more fulfilling so that we can be happier, healthier, and what's the other one? More oh productive. yeah, more productive and more creative. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I just got stuck on the happier and healthier part. I like yeah. that part a lot. That's easy to do. Hey, before we begin, I want to tell everybody about the Dynamic Marching Shop. Please go there, and we've got great pricing on all the marching band-related gear that you might need. Uh, most of us have already ordered that for this season, but if, we're, if you're listening to this next season, uh, we've got great prices, and we get things in the mail right away. And I'm sure there will not be a shoe crisis next year, so everybody will be happy about that. <laughs> also, um, one of the things that supports this podcast is our Dynamic Marching video series, and those are hosted now by Connect Through Music. Go over there, pick up uh, a great deal on a $50 yearly access to all the Dynamic Marching content, plus all the stuff on teaching individual uh, instruments at all uh, beginning and intermediate level right now. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's I'm I'm excited. I went and checked out that website this week and I was like, wow, we look kind of like we know what we're doing. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> hey, well, we have a we have a really special show for everybody and a special we, guest not, and a special guest. Exactly. I'm going to tell them a little about the show and then I'll let you introduce the special guest. OK, uh, we are in the midst of competition season and it, most all of us have now gone to a contest and you did the dreaded. Let's listen to judges tapes the next day. And there have probably been puzzled looks. There have probably been angry feelings. Uh, hopefully there have been some smiles and some laughter that have come from that. Hopefully there's also been, see, I told you so, mm -hmm. uh, being spoken in band directors all, or in band rooms all across the country. So we thought we might take this from the standpoint, the viewpoint of a judge. And what are they looking for if you're thinking about judging or even if you're just in this competitive world, what do judges look for in this? And Jeff has a special guest he's going to introduce that can help us decipher for some of that. Well, the last time this special guest was with us, it was the After Hours series last year or Ooh, year, and, need to do year that again. and a half ago. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, yeah. That was out at NAM and the U.S. Uh, or no, Southern Carolina, SCSBOA. I always forget. Southern California. Yeah. Shout mm -hmm. out to the SCSBOA people. That was a fun clinic. And uh, Danny, Danny was with us for that. Say hi, Danny. Hi. <laughs> Try that again. Hi. Oh, there we go. There is she better? is. Yeah, I had her muted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, it was. We had we had a good time in one of the, uh, uh, I guess, upper rooms. What I don't remember where we were. It was like a big Embassy conference Suites. room. It yeah. was in one of the, yes, yeah. it was in one of the conference rooms there that we'd actually given our clinic earlier in the day. That's, yeah, yeah. that's right. And we went back with some friends that we made there and did a, a fun podcast that evening. Yeah. After so refreshment. After refreshment. Danny, yeah. Danny was yeah. out judging this weekend and I was out judging this weekend and two weeks ago. And so we thought part of the podcast could be called, I have a question. Particularly, <laughs> particularly because this past weekend we were on different sides of the country. So Jeff right. was in Maryland and I was out in Utah and he was in Texas a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we are both Midwesterners. So obviously lots of questions. We have some questions. Yeah. So people have questions about how to be a judge and we have questions uh, for band directors. Well, and just to be clear, Jeff, you would have been judging visual, yep. uh, probably individual and ensemble, I guess. This weekend and then GE and individual two weeks ago in Austin. That's right. And Danny, what, what do you typically judge? Um, so I typically judge collar guard, but I have been accused, including this past weekend, of wandering into VE a bit. Ah. So uh, collar guard intent, VE mind, I guess is what you could call that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I'll, I'll try to represent some band directors here. But the yeah. truth is, yeah, the truth is, uh, I won't have great answers for some of them. I, I, I'll start this with, we had, we hosted our contest a couple of years ago. I know Jeff, you guys have traveled with Carmel to a few contests now. The first one was about as wonky as it could be. Like we just, you could tell we didn't have our sea legs mm -hmm. on us just yet. 
Yeah. And we talked about that last week, how exactly we were in warm up and, and my students just couldn't set up a block. Right. They, something they'd been doing all week. They just were like, I can't er, beat er. <laughs> like short circuit. So, yeah, I, th- I would bet there are a lot of band directors that went to that first contest going, oh, no, I forgot to tell them how to come on the field or, oh, no, I forgot to send in this registration. So what we thought we might do with this show is maybe go through some of the questions that Jeff and Danny saw uh, specifically to band directors. And maybe I can give some feedback, but maybe some of them are questions that we all need to really ask ourselves. And then look on the other side of it. If, if you are judging or look at it, looking at things through the judge's viewpoint, you have to know the purpose of the contest. If you're going to judge, you have to know the sheets and you have to know how the numbers work. So we'll kind of start with just the general questions and then get a little more specific for those of you that really want to dig deep into this judging process. So what's one of the questions that you, and even if you already know the answer, What's one of the questions that you wish you could ask band directors from the judges? Oh, that I could ask band directors. Um, A lot of times it's, it's when was the last time you did fundamentals? Yep. Yeah. She's like preach, but yeah, you know, people, yeah, we're guilty at every group right now. It's like, we're putting on the show. We're learning new drill. We're learning new choreography. We haven't done fundamentals in like four weeks. So, you know, I, I get it, but like, that's that's a huge question. When was the yeah. last time you did serious fundamentals? And I'm going to piggyback on that because a lot of the tapes that I gave last night, um, I made comments multiple times where I was trying to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, there's probably limited rehearsal time for a lot of these groups. We're coming in post-COVID, right? So we're working with some limited resources. And so I tried to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, maybe we don't all have time for fundamentals. But I want to say almost every tape that I gave I said something to the effect of, you know, you can tell for me from a color guard standpoint, I'm sure it's the same with feet, same with brass uh, or winds rather, that you can tell right away, we don't have time dedicated to developing the skills to support the actual program. And sure. It, and it's frustrating when you see that because then my, <laughs> my question is, why aren't we doing that, right? You know, why aren't yeah. we why aren't we supporting our program with the building blocks first? And if we're not, you know, here's a suggestion that we should. Because that's my other question is, do we all know that we should be doing that? Here's here's where the the band director who doesn't maybe know better. Here's what one of the answers might be. Um, we could all talk about time, but the truth is, if it's important, we schedule the time for it. I think that. Band directors want the kids to like them. And they've they've made fundamentals the first hour of band camp and everybody's miserable doing them. So when you say in mid-September, hey, we're going to do a fundamentals block, their mind goes back to, oh, this is the boring stuff that we did at band camp. So the fundamentals are important for sure, but you have to set that up from day one. They're not just important they're integral to what goes on. Nothing else really matters if the fundamentals aren't there. But I would suspect that there are band directors who feel they have to pull teeth to get kids to engage during fundamental block time. So let's pretend that's me. What would you, what would the two of you tell me to do to address that? So my immediate response is, do kids like to win? (laughs) <laughs> well, there it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, do you like to trophy or at least medal? Or at least be good, right? Yeah. Because, because in my opinion, I think that with everything, you have to treat it with a crawl, walk, run mentality, right? So our show is us running. We're sprinting. We're doing it for 12 minutes, um, hypothetically speaking, right? But we can't do that if we're not going to walk, And we can't do that if we're not going to crawl, which means we do have to unfortunately spend a little time, you know, doing the uncomfortable things that people don't like. But in my in my experience, I loved those instructors that were like, hey, you don't like crawling, but we're going to crawl for an hour Mm -hmm. so that you can learn how to walk and learn how to run, because at the end of the season, you're going to love winning. It it, yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think there are some groups who, uh, you know, 
not every group can win, and and we know that. And so the mentality may not necessarily be about liking to win, but it's do you like to have an impact on your audience too? You know, because if things aren't together and they're unclear, the audience will have no idea what you're trying to do. They'll want to. I've been to contests where the audience is there going, like, please, like, give us something to clap for. We'll do it. But nothing uh, pre presents itself that's clear enough to see what it is. So what if I said this to the two of you? Maybe, Jeff, this one's for you. Um, we just feel like we have to get the drill on the field. And we've really upped our difficulty level this year. So we don't have time to do fundamentals. What? Why, why should I go back and do fundamentals? Because we're doing such hard drill and choreography. Well, first of all, I agree with both sides of it. I mean, right now, um, you know, at Carmel, we're putting drill on. You know, we're not, you know, and whether for us, I know you guys have hurricanes, but for us, it's just like pop-up rainstorms. And this right. particular time of year for us is like, okay, stretch and go we got to learn this drill because it might thunderstorm in about an hour. So mm. I, I get both sides of it. I just think it's important to realize that, you know, there's some groups who only have three weeks left in the season. We've got five weeks left in the season. Right. So, but those, those groups who have three weeks left, you know, if you haven't touched fundies in a while, they're not going to remember to go through Tondu into a lunge and it's going to affect every lunge and plie in the show. And let's be honest, that's, most of the body choreography yes. that, that band kids do uh, comes from one of those two things. So if you're not going to do a tendu, I'm going to call, you know, that I spent, you know, a certain percentage of every tape last night talking about tendu. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe some of the directors that I was talking to didn't know what a tendu was, but probably a lot of them do. And they're just like, yeah, we haven't touched that in a while. If only there was a video series that one <laughs> could go get. Yeah, huh. for sure. <laughs> well, but but you're and the reason that I I think that's interesting is because I Next bought question. Jeff's video yeah. series <laughs> when I had to teach visual at Marian Catholic because I did not know I had no idea, and I think one of the things that both of you would probably agree with that if fundamentals were not a crucial part of your summer preparation, is it? Well, I, let me ask the question: Is it too late? Oh man, that's a hard. That's, that's a, a hard question. one. Isn't it? Like, yeah. I, I even stumped yes. myself on it. To be honest, my answer is yes. Uh, Jeff, Jeff I, says yes. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Well, well, for me, I look at fundamentals like brushing your teeth. Right? Is it ever too yeah. late? Like, if you already have a cavity, is it too late to brush your teeth? No, because it's still a good habit, right? Like, you right. can even if it's not going to prevent that cavity from happening, it's a good habit. It'll prevent the next one. So. My opinion is it's never too late. Right. It's okay, but in competitively, and when I say win, I want to be clear that I mean win for your program, whether that's you know a trophy or what have you. Winning only for your you program. can decide what's success yeah. right. for your program, Bobby Lambert. If only two thousand. <laughs> I agree with that. Copyright. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, whatever that means, whether it's you know you got to finals and and the flags went around together and the feet were clean, like whatever that means. That's what I mean by winning. But um, yeah, I don't think it's ever too late for regulatory hygiene. And by hygiene, I mean you know, technique, brushing Danny, your teeth. It's, it's so interesting you say that. I can remember when we started using dynamic marching at Marion, I felt like it would take us multiple years to become really comfortable with some of the, the changes that we were doing. Like when we started putting dance into the stuff I, that first year when they were in that block trying to do those things, I remember mm -hmm. looking at it going, this is terrible. <laughs> right. This is just awful. And it, I don't know that it necessarily got a ton better that first year, but I knew the second year we came in in a very different place. Right. And then by the third year, the kids were teaching each other and I no longer could be a great help to them. So I think what you're saying holds a lot of credence. You may not see the immediate results this season, if you haven't been into fundamentals, but if you start now and really make that a commitment from moving forward, you'll reap the benefits next year. Right. I mean, I won a state championship when I was in high school, but that program didn't win a national championship for 15 more, 15 more years. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, no group should expect, you know, to 
not be doing great fundamentally and not spend time on fundamentals and then be good within a couple of years. You know, once you decide to really focus on those fundamentals, then yeah, it's still going to be a trajectory. And I think band directors, we need to remember that it would be as if we did not tune or play scales or do any kind of warm up before we tried to play, you know, Lincolnshire Posey. Right. Um, That would be a disaster no matter how good your kids are. I'll I'll say this to the two of you, and then I'll let you ask your next question. Uh, This was something that I heard at a local contest. Um, Hey, would you like to use the warm-up? It's it's your time to go to the warm-up field. Oh, you know what? We don't do a whole lot of body, so we don't really need to go to a field. We'll just do a music warm-up right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's wrong with that statement? I I mean, health-wise, like, let's let's even go, like, let's pretend, Danny, that I am... I'm the color guard director and I'm like, you know, we don't have a lot of time. Let's go right to weapons and flags. Uh, yeah, there, well, uh, so I have a couple thoughts on that one. Obviously I think when you have really well-trained performers, uh, that know how to do their job and they've been really well prepared for what they're about to do. Warm up is really more of um, a ritual than it is mm-hmm. anything else in terms of what they're doing for their show. Otherwise from a, physiological standpoint, warm up is important because we have to get our muscles warm. We have to get right. for players our embouchure warm. So we're not hurting ourselves. Um, longevity is really important. So, you know, for me, warm up serves those two purposes. Absolutely. I personally, um, at, in my drum corps years trained my kids to, to feel as if warm up in terms of what they're doing for the show, um, is a ritual that's unnecessary. It's nice, but it's unnecessary. Warm up in terms of getting your body prepared, always necessary, 100%. Um, but I know that's different than than musicians and for okay, bands. I have our next question. Okay, so you have zero students in your band who are professional actors. Um, you might have some, like, uh, amateur Shakespeareans in there, maybe. They feel like they've gone to a Renaissance fair or something. And yet you're going to ask one of those students – to be a character in your show for minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Why? Why would you do that? Ooh. Go. Yeah, honestly, I can't. We we have characters in our show this year. And I would tell you none of us had any idea how much preparation that was truly going to take. Like we now have a staff member that their focus at every rehearsal is characterization and work with these characters. If you can't commit to that, I don't know that it's possible. Yeah, no, I was, I was, <laughs> I was just gesturing to Jeff. That's the way to do it, though. If you're going to do it, you need to have a staff member, like solely dedicated to making that, yes, as box whatever as the rest of your band is. Right. Yes. I mean, I can, I could, I could act a sword fight right now, pretty convincingly for about twenty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, we're like sometimes we ask these students to do a sword fight over two minutes and make sure that it crescendos with the music and someone dies. And it's like, no, that's not going to no. happen. Not on this stage. Um, uh, I'm going to interject with a great story. I told you this one earlier. So Bobby, last night I watched a saber, like a color guard person with a saber, do a sword fight with a clarinet, Excellent. a clarinet player using their clarinet as the implement to fight with this saber. And the entire time I was literally saying into my tape, I am cringing for your band director right now. I don't know why we're right. doing this. Because, of the, this. because it would harm the instrument yes. and then they can't play? Correct. Right. Yeah. And it's it, a, an expensive instrument. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> well, it there's might have so been many... a Walmart clarinet. Okay, <laughs> not that we would ever be disparaging against any company no, whatsoever. No, no never. We, we would Especially take, if they we, wanted to sponsor Sponsor us, yes. I was like, Jeff, Jeff at dynamicmarching.com. <laughs> I'm agnostic. All I'm saying is that for a very low-level effect, are we seriously going to damage a clarinet? Right. Yeah. I, I do think your point, it, it, because I have, and, and I will tell you, we had a portion of the show that we just ripped out this past week because... The two, there were two characters that had to engage each other too long, and it was painful to watch. One of which we, is your daughter, or uh, both yeah, of which. Actually, actually, well, that the, that wasn't the uh, interaction that we were speaking of. But my my daughter is in the show this year. She 
is a little bit of a surprise character at the end. And they have, right, uh, since, since, you know, all 12 of you who are listening, you might know when, oh you, when you actually see our show. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's, we have worked on that intensely, so intensely about this is how you will step down from here. This is how you will hold your hand, your free hand, while you move from this place to this place. This is how you will carry yourself. This And what what's cool, the good part of it, those kids are all in it for that. Like they are hardcore practicing their choreography. But if you don't have that, if you don't have a staff member that is dedicated, that is their sole purpose. Yeah. Danny, Danny uh, and I were talking I at dinner think... about this that, um, well, a good friend of the podcast, Kyle Young, um, you know, his wife, oh, yeah. Kelly, uh, has done our dance videos for dynamic marching and she does dance stuff, uh, with me, um, with Carmel every day. And like, she will, she's capable of taking a single character and, and developing them over 10 minutes. Like that's just her skill set. She's such a great dancer, choreographer, mind thinker. And, and she, sure. she, you know, like she can do that, but like how many groups have a Kelly young, right? Uh, right, ten percent of all marching bands at most. Right. Less. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, okay. that's our question Next. number two. What's what, question what's number three? Question number three. Okay, so question number three. Um, why did conservatively ten to twenty percent of the groups that I saw in the over the last two judging weekends uh, have trouble turning on their electronic setups? I will sure. interject and add that every group that I saw yesterday, I uh, judged 46 bands yesterday. Every single one had trouble and incurred penalties for electronics. Wow. So the, here's, here is the, the issue. The, the band directors who maybe have uh, smaller, less experienced staffs are kind of at the mercy of what they can do and learn and YouTube Basically, um, we're buying expensive equipment and not always knowing how to make it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's issue number one. And then I, th- I don't think we practice the setup very well. Uh-huh. Um, it, you only have a certain amount of time and then that's done. Ours is very choreographed. Got another it is. This then. goes here. The, the soloist is there. They get the point from the person running the board, and then we have a certain order. Like it is always the same, and it will be three minutes and forty-five seconds. I think with electronics, this is true, but I feel like it's like this with a lot of different things for a lot of bands all over the country. Is like how many band directors buy. Um, uh, uh, a, a fast motorcycle without knowing how to drive it. Do you think that that's common, not just with electronics, but with other things too, like great technicians or great clinicians? Well, uh, sure. To a certain extent, um, I, I could I could translate it over to buying the top of the line concert flute when maybe we're only playing grade three literature. But the the electronics thing we know so little about it and for those of you who do know quite a bit you know there's every year it changes like there are people that have to follow this much like you follow apple like you had the iphone 11 well the 12 is completely different and the 13 is going to be completely different from that and so i think there's there's some learning curve that's there um but I, I think that just as importantly as having somebody come in and tech feet or watch you play, you have to have somebody that can come in and, quote, tune the electronics and really make them bulletproof. I actually asked our resident expert in this, Matthew Black, mm-hmm. the other day. I asked him this question uh, while I was judging, and, and he said, Every time our electronics go, goes on a truck, something gets unplugged or broken. That's correct. And he said, you just have to know that going in and have two of everything. So he said, yes. you know, our, our keyboard player who's a 10, he's a great kid. He ran over his own power cord and shredded it this weekend. It's okay. We've got another one. But right. I think what, in, what he was saying is that most, most band directors are busy with so many other things. They're like, you know, my front ensemble person has this covered. When in reality, it should be like, do you have 
double of everything? Right. Do you have backup plans? Do you have backup power? Do you have, and just ask the right questions like those and just, so, so that way a band director really is in the know of, we are prepared for, you know, these different contingencies. And then my other question too, after uh, going through this weekend is like, that's a big undertaking. So my next question is, is this actually adding or detracting from your total product? Because I don't think, um, I was joking with the judge that was sitting in the room with me yesterday, um, John Fisher, I was like, you know, of the electronic effect that I see added to marching band performances, marching band, I would say 10% of them actually add for me. The other 90%, in my opinion, are either causing problems or I don't hear it or they, I do hear it and I don't want to. Um, so, you know, Preach. That, <laughs> that's kind of another thought process for me is like, are we even in the place, again, a question from a judge, are we even in a place to evaluate this as a layer to our production or should we just focus again back on the fundamentals and do the basic stuff right, you know? That's, boy, we are getting to a really fundamental question of if the cake tastes bad, can we decorate it enough to make people not notice? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. No. We really can't. We could we could try to have an amazing color guard, an amazing visual package, an amazing, uh, you know, whatever, um, electronics for days. But if the kids can't march and play well, what what does that help? Where has that money been spent? So to your point, I think that everybody is trying to find a magic bullet. What What's the thing that we could get that would give us an advantage? And I, I think electronics have become – for a, for a few years it was props. Bigger, better props. And then that – because that goes in and out of fashion, doesn't it? You know, like some sometimes yes. Sometimes, but I think the electronics arms race that's going on right now – is is the latest in this is the magic bullet this is what we will do that will you know put us over the edge where but really it, yeah but it's also the thing where okay like take your worst woodwind player they still have a couple of years of experience playing that instrument and uh it rarely malfunctions and you've got nine more but electronics has become the thing that we only have one of and if it fails, entire portions of the show go down. Oh, I think I think that you're so, right, and that's, yeah, that goes like, back whoa. to your point. I think with with anything electronics that you buy, it, you need to go ahead and plan to buy three. Yeah, the Navy SEALs say two is one and one is none. Right, right. Uh, because they will break down, and we've had. I mean, we at the Gaffney Regional two years ago we were running off of a, a monitor on a keyboard out on the field. Yep. And thankfully the kids could hear it well enough to make it go. And we've actually, uh, maybe this is helpful too. We have planned crashes of the sense of and everything up have. front. You guys play we like do. flu outbreak. Well, before the, yeah, flu outbreak. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we still do. We still do. It's and, just a little uh, more for real. Those of you who just started listening, they do not give the flu to their uh, students. <laughs> they pretend as if their lead uh, soloist goes down with the flu right on the day of the concert. Right. Yeah. So, we, we, yeah, yeah. we'd like to. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you question number five and then we're going to go back to the, what if you want to be a judge, the, the other yeah. stuff. And go um, for it. that question is um, swing flags. Are they as integral to shows as you think they are? Well, is I think you could place that question on any implement that is used uh, out there. Uh, no. I, okay. Danny? <laughs> I put her on the spot there, but I think she agrees with me that every uh, many, 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 many programs rely on swing flag yeah. too much. Okay, so I'll give my sermon, and I might be crucified for it, but that's fine. Um, so obviously, I'm a, I'm a Midwest kid. I grew up in Carmel, Indiana. We spun six-foot six flags. The first time I saw a swing flag was when I was the color guard director for um, a little color guard in Nashville, Tennessee, Brentwood High School, when I was 19 years old. 
the band director said, we're going to do swing flags. And I was like, what is that? I don't even understand. Oh, it's big, beautiful silk, covers the field, so on and so forth. Great. Awesome. Well, since then, I have, I have enhanced my affection for swing flag, but my issue with it is that I think there are far too many bands that see the really effective way that a lot of, I will say, Texas bands use swing flag. Um, there are other bands in other parts of the country, but I think it's most prevalent in Texas where they use swing flag to create effect, particularly BOA bands, and they do it fabulously. Um, and I do think it's effective. Covers the field with color. It's beautiful. What happens, though, subsequently is that a lot of bands that are looking towards those bands from a color guard perspective to take their cue also decide they want to use swing flag and they do it really poorly um, in the way that they open it in non-impact moments or they carry it across the field uh, stripped, meaning that the silk is pulled tight to the pole for extended periods of time where it looks just not visually great. <laughs> and so, you know, my, my thought process is if we're not going to use swing flags effectively like we would any other piece of color guard equipment, why are we doing it? And do we understand why we're using swing flags and how we're using swing flags? I have no beef with swing flags. I have beef with them being used incorrectly. Am ah, I summarizing okay. that correctly? Mine is the just reason, the, they're used too often and for too long. Correct. Yeah, and the link, length of phrase is inappropriate, generally. Well, the, re the reason I, I was saying mine is because I've seen groups that, you know, we can't, we can't spin flags very well, so we're going to put kids on saber and rifle as well. Oh, that's like, even worse. I, I've seen that. And there, you know, there is the, the idea of training and we want to expose them and get them used to that. But um, I th it goes back to our fundamentals talk, doesn't it? You know, if we can't move well with a flag, we're probably not going to move very well with a, a rifle and a saber. And I know you guys were talking about using those that equipment, but never tossing it never throwing it and seeing that using it to its full potential. I understand why, you know, people want to bring both on the field for training purposes. I, I, I just, it, but they're, what are they learning from dancing with a saber? You know, it's not, it's not really like a skill. You're just, you're just putting a piece of equipment in their hand that they're dancing with. Right. It's not like they're really learning the proper technique of a dip and a toss and a catch and, you know, all the various tosses you can do with sabers, it, it's it's usually like almost like we picked this up because we want to say we did saber. Um, and it's expensive too. Yeah. So the, the thing with swing flags, I think to your point, the, the idea of it not being used effectively is important. Um, but I would also say that in different parts of the country, that's a, a, a different kind of thing. I mean, we've we've used them here. We're using them here. We're using them this year as well. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, would, I would hope that when you see why we use them, it's not just we're trying to cover the field. Um, but there's, a, there's actually a, a point to that. But now, you know, you guys may see it and say, oh, I don't, it wasn't that big of a point for me. But I, Honestly, I, kinda, I think for Danny and I both, when we see uh, writing of swing flag work that's musical and um, – you know, has good phrasing and all that. It's Super fine. effective. Yeah. It's just, ah, I'm so with it. I'm not anti-swing flag. I'm anti-inappropriate like, swing flag. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost more offensive than if they had inappropriate six-foot flag work. Correct. That, that's okay. Yeah. I, I think that's very fair. Because it's more I, silk. It's more fabric, right? It's more obvious right. when it's like, oh, that's being used inappropriately. And it's so obvious to me, you know. Do you know what bothers me when I see swing flags? When I see the same work over and over and over Patterned, and over again. Yeah. 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 It's like, okay. Uh, I, if I can do your guard work, there are some problems. If my that's grandmother knows that you're doing the same thing over <laughs> and over, that's a problem. She has one so, leg. She would know. Right. <laughs> that's how obvious it is. But hey, you know, for, for us band, like their band directors are probably sitting there going like, oh no, we're using swing flags. The, it's not, it, it, it's not necessary. It's how you use it. Correct. I think I would turn it on to band directors and say, how many different keys are you playing in? There's some bands. It, it's that not, will do it's not like we're saying don't have a character ever and don't ever use swing flag. It's just like, just be aware of the fact that when you're, when you're doing character work uh, in marching band, it has to be something that 
that you can sustain over long periods of time or just bring them in and out. And then when it comes right. to the implements you use, why are you using them? Is it appropriate to that song? Are they trained properly on it? And, you know, does it go on for an appropriate amount of time? So that's all I think we're both saying. Well, be intentional. Yeah. You're really saying be intentional. Yeah. Make sure that each decision is truly a decision rather than coincidence. You know, honestly, there have been a couple of times in my career where I've been like, oh, wow, that worked. We didn't really plan for that to happen, but that really worked. I would say that happens maybe once a show. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Everything else, it's like, okay, we had to plan this out minutes in advance or months in advance. However, you know, in the show, it had to be planned minutes in advance. And and it just, you have to be intentional about it. Don't just do what you're seeing other people do. It's one thing to yeah. go on YouTube and watch some great bands, but then you have to translate that into, does the, is that what we need to make us better? All right, so the other part of this, Bobby, we were going to talk about, um, like, Okay, let's talk about just judging as a thing. Um, you know, what is this all about? Uh, besides just the fact that I look at this number and it's from, you know, Jeff Young and he was at this show and at this time or whatever, you know. So what do you want to talk about? Like, what kind of questions do you have, Bobby? And I know, I know you judge as well, but we mm -hmm. just got done with the weekend judging. So right. what kind of questions do you think people have? Um, I, th I think that, you know, they basically will come into the next day and, and the band directors will pop the tapes in or play the competition suite or whatever you do. And you'll want the kids to listen to that. And like we said earlier in the show, you, you want to hear some of the same things you've been saying so that the kids can say, oh, okay, our band director is not an idiot. So we need to actually listen to this. And that's what we hope will be there. But some of the other stuff that needs to be there as you're listening to this is you need to look at it from a judge's perspective. Like, think about the contest that you're going to. What's the purpose of this contest? And, you know, we, we think that that should be a straightforward answer. It's to go and win or it's to go and do this. The truth is it depends on what your program is wanting and what this competition is set up to do. There's some competitions that have clinics the next day. So where they have clinics right after you perform, that to me is a very different experience than we go and change and go watch some other bands and yell and scream. Those are different things. I think they both have value. Is this educationally driven like the one with clinics? Is it experientially driven? Is this a thing where, you know, this is one of the few contests in this area and it's one of the few times the bands get to see each other. They may not go outside this region or outside this county but this is the one time that they're together. Is it experience, experientially driven? Is it competitively driven? Like the numbers will affect future events. It's either a prelims finals or maybe it's kind of a circuit sort of thing. And that's, that's one way that numbers have to be, or you have to think about the contest. And here's the thing that I find so interesting, the regional expectations, it's so different. I've judged West Coast, East Coast and Midwest and it's very different in each of those places. Um, you, you all were talking about the color guard experience. And I would tell you on the East Coast, that's radically different. Radically different. Whereas on the West Coast, it's much more similar, but still varied from what is in the Midwest. Um, I would even say that music is, 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 radically, is handled radically different in New England versus the west coast um and it's we and it, we've talked a lot about uil and how right. it has different expectations than bands of america sheets do or when or, you were talking about S southern california they have a different one than than even the state of california so knowing what those if you find yourself in a judging situation where you're going to a different place you've got to have a good idea of what the regional expectations are and, and you got to know the sheets you know the there's subtle well, differences in the in the sheets you've got to study them if you're not yes. designing your show and and practicing your your show around what counts as points then what are you doing well yeah, right yeah, a, you know, that's right, kind exactly. of what we're doing here you there is to, a competition aspect to what we do Yes, absolutely. And and you need to look at what exactly are you expected to comment on and give feedback for. 
you know, the, like Jeff, if you happen to be on the field doing uh, marching individual movement indiv- individual, and you start talking to me about the swing flag usage, okay, we, we've got a problem there. In most of the competitions, you're going to be judging. Sometimes in smaller program or smaller contests, they, they want you to cross caption, but in most, they do not. So you as the judge have to know the vocabulary from the sheets. You have to know what to look for, how to diagnose problems. And then Jeff, I'm interested in your, your answer and and Danny, both of you in this, do you give prescriptions in your judges tapes or do you think it's more about pointing out the flaws? Is it giving the, the, the helps? The age old standard for that is teacher, counselor, critic, and that you have to know as a judge, depending on what show you're at and what time of the year it is, whether you're, you're supposed to be talking as a teacher, a counselor, or a critic. So most groups this time of year who are, you know, like I just, like Kiski won the show that I was at this weekend, uh, they were great. And, you know, you're talking to them as a critic because they don't, they don't really need to be taught and counseled. They, they put a great show together. So now it's like, all right, I'm going to critique all the stuff uh, and tell you all the all the stuff that that you could probably do better at, and then you're going to be even better. Yeah, um, yeah. I I am a prescription writer personally as a judge. Uh, it doesn't matter to me whether uh, yesterday I was mostly a teach a teacher and a counselor, um, and in that uh, format, I do feel kind of a responsibility, and I do it typically at the end of my tape is I say, hey, you know what? If this were my color guard, here's what I would do. And if it's 20 minutes in fundamentals or if it's, hey, just for, you know, I had a couple groups that were really well-trained, and but there was a little fallacy here or there, and I would say, hey, for your weapons, you know, let's practice this with just the prep, you know, 10 times in a row, a couple times a day, and get that done. I think that's going to really clean this up for you. Um, because I think part of our job as judges is knowing that we have teaching experience that can really help other teachers that are smart people and passionate teachers. They just might not have the same experience. So mm. there's no harm in lending, lending the experience, you know? Well, I, I, my I, prescription is usually, Hey guys, I think we need to hit fundamentals again. <laughs> right. Right. And I think that that's, I think that is important. I, I can tell judges who do versus judges who critique. And I always can like when I hear Jeff Young give feedback, I know that he just got off the field with his own group doing the same thing. And I think there's a difference there. There's a, a process versus product difference. So, so you have to know the sheets. Or, or yeah, anytime I listen to a Michael Gray tape on GE, I mean, he, <laughs> might, he basically wrote the book on yeah. what GE is. So of course yeah. he's gonna he's gonna know exactly what to say, you know. But I, you know, also there's some some judges who cross caption really well and others who are like, I really want that person on GE or right. I really want Michael Gray on GE, even though he can do ensemble. Um, right. I really, I really prefer to be on the field, even though I can do GE and ensemble just fine. I just, yeah. Like you're saying, that's what I do every day. So, right. So you, you have to know those sheets, but then the second, I think it's a 50, 50, the, the second half of this is knowing how the numbers work and number management you know, not backing yourself into a corner. Uh, Have I you think ever heard of the value of a 10th, Bobby? Right. I, I, Maybe that's please something share. That, our, that our audience has, doesn't know very well. But essentially, the idea is that if um, in this one particular caption, if you got a 14-6, if somebody else got a 15-6, what, what the judge is saying there is that most likely over the course of the next four weeks, you're not going to catch this person this group, not person, but you know, if it's, um, you know, 0.5 to 0.7 ish, your, your message is, uh, it's going to be very difficult for your group to match up to this other group in this caption. And then if it's 0.3, you're saying, I don't know, they're like, they're better. I couldn't really, you know, like it's not a court of law, but they're better in this caption. And then if it's 0.1, you're essentially saying, I don't know, tomorrow I'd pick them today. I picked you. Yeah, the value, of, the concept of the value of the tenth is almost like an any given Sunday type comment. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to hit that button. Type comment, she said. <laughs> yeah, no, she's absolutely right. It's you know, it's and it's not. It doesn't always mean that because when you're judging, you know, the uh, you have ranking and rating. The rating is the number. The ranking is the order. 
the the ranking is always the number one thing no matter what mm. directors think you know you can come yelling about numbers all day long but a good judge is going to be like what was most important to me was to get you in the right order and based on your peers and the people you were above and below this is where that number landed and it's also within the rubric that, that we all learn about. It just might not might be a little higher, or a little lower than than the descriptor. And mm-hmm. but there's a lot of room in there for that. Um, so you, you as the director need to be aware of that as well and not get your panties in a bunch too much. If you really look at the the especially in a really big show, you can you can see how without tying people, people are gonna have to push numbers up and down to make it right. 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 So I think that if you're if you're at all interested in that, go back to like 2013 or 2014, um, and and watch Grand Nationals or watch some event, and you judge different categories. All the score sheets are there, and just see how you compare. See where where the places were that you you know if you did ten bands, seven of them you were within a few tenths, and only three you were kind of uh, far away. That's maybe a good sign if you are. You only have to get it right in that one category too. Like people will right. watch a show and go, "I wouldn't have picked them to win." Well, no one picked them to win overall. You know, right. each each judge picked them to win in their caption. Right, right. Wow, there's. I have to tell you, I get more nervous going into judge than I go into compete. Yeah, I uh, I used to be like that when I was um, caption heading at drum corps really young. It, critique made me more nervous than watching uh, the corps go on the field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was exhausting to me. And I, I really just wanted to add, too, for the sake of like maybe some education and, and awareness for other um, people thinking about judging or even band directors or color guard directors who are looking at, at judging. I think something that's important that I didn't learn until far too late <laughs> in my career is that there is a difference between what you're asking kids to do and how they're doing it. Um, because I, I saw this a lot this past weekend where there were uh, color guards that were asking their kids to do fabulous, awesome things but because they could not do them functionally as a judge, you can't give it credit if it's not readable uh, mm-hmm. or you shouldn't if you're, if you're a good judge. And so if I, even if I can see two kids doing it correctly, if they're not all doing it correctly, I can't really give it the credit it, it's, it's earned. Same thing if like, you know, a band's playing some kind of triple tonguing nonsense that they're not capable of, you know, okay, cool. That's great. Good for you. Shoot for the stars. But if the judge can't hear it, and and then they can't credit it, and I think that's an important thing that took me too long to learn um, in all facets. So I think that's important too. What we're doing and how we're doing it are two separate things, but they're they're married. Right? Yeah, they're being judged simultaneously, which is the hard mm-hmm. part for new judges. Is to say, instead of just saying, "You're out of time," say, "I noticed that you're backing up at a sixteen to five at one hundred and twenty beats per minute." which is a very achievable step size and tempo and you're out of time. Right. You know, it's like you pointing out you know, exactly what's going on. Now you can do it a lot quicker than that. You know, like this is a really fast section here and we're out of time, but you know, earlier when it was slower, you were in time. You can say it really fast. It's just, that's the what and the how you're not just, you know, just putting out, pointing out flaws. We talked about the tick, you know, um, in a couple of different, one of these episodes, but the tick was, you just started a hundred hundred and every time you do something wrong, you had a tick. And that's right. not, that's not this current system. I'm losing my right. voice for some reason. Sorry. It's because we judged yesterday. That's so right. We yeah, talked is. a lot yesterday. Yeah. Air travel. Yeah. Well, I th- and I think that the two of you just, you really gave the, the <clears throat> critical piece to judging. It's the what and the how. And we as band directors have to look at that and balance. You know, sometimes staffs come into this with big eyes. Yeah. Oh, you know, I saw the Blue Devils do this, and we totally want to get the band to do that. Okay, well, last year we barely marched at quarter and equals 120. That's probably not where we need to go this year. But at the same time, you want to keep the challenge. You want to keep growing. You want to, you want to keep doing those things. So none of these are cardinal sins if you do them a little bit, if you bring out the fl- the swing flags and you use them effectively, no, no harm, no foul. If you, any of those, any of those things are nothing terrible. It's just be intentional. You know, it's okay to take risks, but you have to, they have to be um, knowledgeable risks. Calculated. Ca- 
calculated. There, That was the word I was looking yeah. for. Well, and the other thing, too, and just to be brief about it, is, like, you have to think about, yeah, is what the Blue Devils did really cool? For sure. Would I love to see my band do that? Yeah. Is this serving my students? Right. That's the question, Oof. you know. It, it really yeah. is. Is is Elsa's processional a great piece of music, Bobby? <laughs> Incredibly. I know where okay. you're going with this. No, somebody it's this making weekend, my heart hurt it was already. Their, <laughs> it, it was it was one of their pieces and it was gorgeous and it was even arranged great, but I was like, I this is so hard. <laughs> and they're marching at double yes. time and it was like, Whoa, you just bit off uh, yeah, a lot. Big old bite. So yeah. Yes. So Right. Yeah. I mean it, it, it's just and and it's okay to pick a piece of music you love. It's just sometimes there it's a lot to bite off. Yes. So anyway, it it has but to be something we that could talk we forever. Love. But we want to be <laughs> mindful of our commute times for our band directors <laughs> and staff members who are listening. Right. <laughs> so, um, Bobby, any closing thoughts? Um, thank you, Danny, for being here with us. I you know we've talked before, but I've I've really enjoyed getting to hear your thoughts on designing and judging color guard in particular, but the whole visual package. And I think that we need more um, people in the activity who can speak intelligently to what we're trying to do as opposed to just that's good, that's bad. No, tell me why. And I, I think you've articulated that really very clearly. And Jeff, you're one of the most analytical people I know. So I know I would love to get a judge's tape from you and I'll hopefully will at some point <laughs> get to do that. But for the band directors listening, judges are trying to help you. They're going to ask you some really hard questions. It's like going in for a really nasty checkup that you don't want to go for with your, you know, uh, uh, care, care director. It's, it's really some tough things that you're going to hear. Listen to them with open minds and use what you can and ignore what you can't. It's great advice. Well, until next time, I'm Jeff Young. And I'm Bobby Lambert. And thank you guys for having me. I'm Danny Schweiger. Well, not for long. Wow. 41 days Somebody's getting married. Anyway, this is That Band Life. Thanks, guys. <laughs>